On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil, pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Welcome to Monday's Experts, and as always, a great opportunity for us to find out the story behind the name. Really looking forward to my guest today. I've been trying to get him on Monday's Experts for a little while now, and it hasn't worked with whether it be trials, track work, or whether it's a race meeting, but I'm wrapped to get uh, one of the best in the country on, in my opinion, Aaron Bullock, a gentleman we see riding plenty of winners throughout New South Wales, throughout the weekend on weekends. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about where it all began and what's ahead because it seems like there's plenty ahead for Aaron. Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, Dave. Just um, had trials this morning, so I'm, I'm not far from home. Beautiful, mate. Well, I'll, uh, I'm looking forward to having a bit of a chat about about your life and career. And, oh, mate, I've done a bit of reading on you since we had you locked in on Friday. And obviously, uh, for our listeners out there that, that see the A. Bullock name riding plenty of winners throughout the week at the races and chatting with the team with before and after particular race events. They might not know your story, so I'm looking forward to it. Mate, you were born and bred in Tumant. What was life like growing up for a young Aaron Bullock? Yeah, it was, it was great, actually. And, um, you know, yourself, any any hometown and where your family sort of comes from, it always holds a bit of a bit of a spot in your heart. So whenever I can sort of get back home to Tumant, I, um, I really enjoy it. We've still got family down there. Um, my uncle runs there. Um, the our, um, grandparents' farm, which is obviously his now, and um, yeah, we, it was good. Look, we um, we we grew up. I'm a I'm a twin, so I got a um, a twin brother, Brad, and a sister, Alicia, and um, we grew up at Tumut, but we sort of left. We left there when we were six year old. We started kindergarten, and um, Dad was working for a company called Beast. Um, and, and he was always away on the roads six days a week and sometimes I'd get him to stay back on a Sunday so then that'd be two weeks he was away and um, it was sort of never going to work out family-wise so Dad elected to take the shift and, and move to Singleton in the mines for the same company, Peace, back in 1996. So we lived in Singleton um, from 1996 right through... My parents are still there, my brother and sister are still there but... I moved to Newcastle um, about so in 2017. So, but look, yeah. uh, Tumut was probably a fond memory. I only remember a few things, you know. More, more so, I believe in life, sort of from zero to five. You don't really remember much, but I sort of remember everything from five onwards. So I remember everything after leaving Tumut, but I only really remember um, things about there when we go back to see family and friends but yeah that was that was um where it all began for me so it'll always be um it'll always be a, a, a special place for me too but for, apart from growing up and most of my majority of my life was was in Singleton and that's where I um made my lifelong friends and obviously started my career yeah but I, I can't believe either Aaron about uh the fact that I was reading last night. You'd you'd never ridden a horse until you met Todd Howlett. Um, yeah, tell us about it, tell, so so. There was obviously no racing in the family, but there would have been some some animals around the farm and down in Tumut. But you, did you like horses uh, at a young a young age, or was it just something that someone said to you? How, how did that all come about? Tell us. Yeah, I always loved animals. Um, always. Um, 
and anyone will probably tell you who's, who's um, been around animals or mainly horses, and I see it now with young like partners and or friends, their kids and that coming through, and they buy them horses, and I'm, I say to them, oh, yeah, you don't know who you're getting yourself in there because once they've got the horses in the blood, <laughs> you're not going to be able to get them away from it. It's a good thing, but, but look, um, always loved animals, um, but for me... We grew up on. We grew up in town, but then had a had our grandparents had farm, and we still got it. So it was always about going to the farm of a weekend and um, mucking around with cattle, and um, that's 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 my passion, cattle and that. But look, um, apart from riding, we were sort of we were sort of a bit younger, riding when we were younger. So my memories were only of going out to me great grandparents who had a farm um, at, at Adelong and and. Um, Pop sort of throwing us on, on um, the horses and leading us around, and and then um, my uncle he had horses, but it was <laughs> my only memory of ever riding a horse before Todd's was um, hunting the horses into the um, cattle yards, and we weren't tall enough to saddle them ourselves. So I, I remember getting up on the back of them and putting them in the cattle crush, and I'd get Brad to put a piece of bread in in the horse's mouth so I could rip the bridle up into its mouth while I'm hanging on top of a horse's neck. And this was only six or seven-year-old, but that was that was my first memory of, of sort of horses. But never, ever got taught how to ride or, or anything like that. And, um, yeah, we fast-forward to sort of oh, probably 15, 16. I'd say 15, end of year nine. I, um, I just wanted a bit of pocket money, to be honest. Like, Hanging around, hanging around over a weekend with mates and riding your push bikes. Like we'd leave home sort of Friday, and if we weren't staying at people's places or mates' places, back then you only need five or ten dollars to feed yourself with a few chips and that from the fish and chip shop of a weekend, and you come home on a Sunday, you know. So for me, it was just a matter of um, wanting a bit of pocket money for the weekend. And look, I, I had a friend who. Um, whose uncle was Todd, and he, he suggested to go over there and ask for a bit of work. And and um, obviously loving the animals, it took me took me a bit of courage to to go over and to ask Todd for memory. It, it took me a few months to be honest. And yeah. Um, and then once I went over and asked for a job, Todd's like, "Yeah, we'll we'll give you a bit of weekend work." And and then one thing led to another. And before I knew it, he got me there every morning, and I'm having to do the have to do the track work before school and all that. And um, to Todd's credit, he persisted because, mate, I, I say apart from quitting smoking, uh, learning to ride horses was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, to be honest. I, it's a lot easier for kids that sort of grow up on horses and start at a young age because it's like riding a push bike, it just becomes second nature. But for me, it wasn't the case. I sort of, I had to start from scratch. And look, Todd, he, he was great, mate. He, he he had an old stock horse called Bill that he, he joked, joked about at the time where he learned to ride on. And, mate, this horse was old, but he was cunning. Like, I remember Todd used to take him. He'd put him on the... He always worked his horses on the back of... Uh, he'd always worked his horses at his brother's Scott. So um, he'd load the five-horse truck up, which majority of the time, that's all Todd had him work. So um, instead of just doing the one trip, which was probably a 20-kilometre turnaround trip, He'd, he'd go out of his way to put this old bill on the, the back of the truck, so he, he'd give me that experience of riding him around. And, and like this old stock horse, remember, he'd, he'd have a track pad on him, and we'd be cantering around there. I don't know if you've ever been into Singleton, but 
Scott used to live um, on the left side as you're driving to Sealand at Whittingham and it backed yep. onto the army barracks. So there'd be thousands of kangaroos and Mate, I, I come off more times than I could even even count, to be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah, he was he, he was a cunning old bugger. This Billy, he'd go around this just this sand track that was made on the side of a hill, and he'd whip into the whip into the gate that we come out of. And me back then, I, I didn't even know how to rise trot, let alone know how to be in sync with a with a horse. And mate, I, I'd come off that easy. It wasn't funny. And anyway, long story short, that um that sort of progressed. Obviously, Todd wanted to do the right thing by me, even though I, I was one to always want to rush everything. But he, um, he went and bought me a, a stock horse from, from the Maitland Sales, which um, was sort of, without going right into it, that was sort of the off-cast horses that a lot of people didn't want, and they probably wouldn't go to new owners, to be honest. Once they went to the Maitland Sales, that was probably the end of their career. But he got me this old um, horse called Spook, and... Um, I still remember every afternoon I'd come up and saddle him up in the ran yard and I wasn't allowed to take him out of the ran yard until I could sit on him. And um, Todd, a funny story, Todd, his house used to actually look down on the ran yard and um, an old story, he said to his wife, I don't think these kids might choke, but not, not giving up on me, just he could tell that I, didn't, I had no idea. I literally had no idea. And anyways, I persisted and I could never get these spooks to... To trot, so I literally used to take him across the highway at Singleton, which, mate, if you've seen a horse cross the highway in Singleton now, you'd think the bloke's mad, but yeah. um, I, I used to cross the highway at Singleton and I'd take him down the Hunter River and I'd literally gallop him through the river up to his waist and I soon learned that that would stop him jig-jogging, so, um, and then, yeah, look, I used to do that every weekend for, mate, months, months, and then um, I finally progressed to the racehorses and I can remember... I can remember after about a year's riding the racehorses, I remember one day doing a gallop with Terry Green at Musselbrook and um, and and we used to always gallop them with Mac Rivers horses, but I remember doing a gallop one morning with Terry and um, I thought, and I just clicked. I thought, I, I feel good on the horse. Where before that, I've never felt good. I always was out of whack. I didn't even know what a rise trot was. I, you know what I mean? It was all... Yeah. I had to teach myself, and I never had anyone to teach me. I, I more or less taught myself. And and that one morning where I'd, I felt comfortable and felt it click, and then and from then on, I just I just progressed and just... My motto was just to try to keep getting better. As simple as that. We're chatting with Aaron Bullock this morning on, on Monday's Experts. Aaron, when you went to Newcastle, how did that come about? Like, so... Or, I guess maybe we're skipping a few steps here. You, you, you yep. growing up in Singleton, you working for Todd. I'm presuming, as well as doing this on the weekends, you're still doing a bit of school, but you're sort of probably your attention seems like it's really gravitating towards these horses. They've 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 captured you, haven't they? Oh, 100 percent. And look, um, I was my, my brother was pretty in the zone of picking his apprenticeship pretty early, and he's made a very successful career out of being a boilermaker and. And um, he sort of went down that path, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then it's funny where life leads you, to be honest, because I always loved animals, and 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 I'm glad I got into that path because, um, like early days, like I said, um, no one really showed me how to ride or anything like that, and I never never knew how to ride. And and that was, to be honest, with you, that was just part of it. Like part of that was that was the part of the trade I had to master, but. What I didn't realise, and I had a good friend, Paul Ralston, at the time, and still he's a good friend, and 
he had been down the path of being a jockey and doing all that. And I still remember the words he said to me early on when he was working for Todd at the same time as me. He's like, Aaron, this is going to be the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do, mate. You sure you want to do it? And and I didn't really understand at the time why he used to say that, but I soon learned in time that it was because he went down that path himself. And, and look, I, um, I, I could have given up a hundred times over and I still could now some days, but I just... I know that you won't succeed if you ever give up. But look, um, the reason I say that is because riding's only a part of it. But then I sort of had to learn how to deal with my weight, deal yep. with owners, deal with the pressure of everything to do with racing. And um, and I never mastered that as an, early, as an early kid because I wanted to be an 18-year-old kid and do all the, the things that my twin brother was doing or do all the things normal people were doing. And look, my apprenticeship was... And I, I, I've got a pretty good memory, but I'm really certain I rode about 80 winners in my apprenticeship. I rode about two provincial winners, never rode a winner in town. Um, and look, last year I rode 80 winners, I think, in about four months. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I rode 80 winners in four years. And, and, and like I'm talking, four, that four-year apprenticeship, that took me eight years to do. So um I give up a couple of times. My weight got to me, and not that, but I wasn't disciplined like I am now. I wasn't. I never had people to teach me how to do things. So through that time, Dave, I um, I even give it up and went and worked on the roads for three years and built the Hunter Expressway for Feast. And I did that to try to go down another avenue. And like I stated earlier, my father was on the roads, and I thought maybe that should be the life for me. That that my dad did that as well. But look, I, I knew that one thing. I knew one thing after I left that road job and I did a traineeship on it and they tried to keep me there. They, would, they didn't want to let me go. They tried to take me to the next job and um, I knew every day when I had that racing channel on, driving around the expressway, and, but they all called me Jockey. No one ever on that road job knew my name as Aaron Bullock. It was just Jockey because they knew I was a Jockey. But I knew, I knew in that three years when I did that road job that whatever I did in life, whether it was riding or training or whatever, I, I knew it would be able to do with racehorses because that was my passion. And look, mm. once I went back, once I went back, I just, I, I give it everything I had and, um, and just kept mastering the trade of not just trying to be a better rider, but doing everything like me weight, doing weight better, doing, um, just owners, dealing with everything in, in a better way. And look, I, I still feel like I'm not where I need to be, but, um, that's, um, that's, that's part of that. But like, you see kids now come in and they have all the success they had in 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 12 months. And like, I, I, for me, I, I, I couldn't even go. I couldn't even get a go when I started. I think I had 30 rides in my first six months. I rode one winner, which was a pickup ride on a horse called TG for Jeremy Sylvester. Took me another six months to ride another winner. Um, I think I had 50 rides in my first year for two winners. And I like, could have given it away a thousand times. Um yeah, and then, and like I said, I was in and out, Dave. Apprentice took a long time to finish. Um, and then I broke my leg playing touch football one year um, in about 2016. Um, and I was on the back end of an extension on the apprenticeship because, like I said, I had, I never had many setbacks in the time I was riding. I just had self-setbacks. And they were all they were all on my own doing. It was never, it was never anyone else's doing. I was, like I said, I, I wanted to be in a kid and... And I don't regret any of that, to be honest, because it's it's some some things I see kids come through now, and I think, geez, they 
they really wind these kids down at a young age. And, like, I'm talking as soon as they leave school and they, the poor kids don't even get to have a life. Like, they don't get to live a 17, 18, 19-year-old life. And, and um, like I said, I, ne- I never had a successful apprenticeship. I give away that to sort of have a, have a life as a kid. But as I've got older, I've really wound myself in um, now and, and really enjoy riding. But when I broke my leg playing touch footy, I was on an extension... Um, because I never had really a great apprenticeship. And look, once I broke my leg and then sort of recovered from it, I wasn't really happy where I was at. And I thought, oh, I've got to try something different. I don't want to give it away again, you know. So yeah. um, I, I rang up. I rang up. Actually, I was too scared to ring Chris Lee, to be honest. A bit similar story when I first started asking for a job with Todd Allen. But I was like, ah, oh, he won't give me a job. And anyways, I, did, I went to his second best. I went to his right hand man, Mel Alderton. And um, now as I am, mate, start tomorrow. And I, I wasn't fully recovered, to be honest. My leg was still giving me a little bit of grief. And um, anyways, and I started with Chris in 2017, um, driving back and forward. Sorry, no, I started with Chris in 2015, and I was driving back and forward for a year. Had no money. I was getting paid only $600 a week costing me $200 in fuel driving back and forward from Singleton. I was heavy. I wasn't I wasn't race riding. I just couldn't get in the groove. And and um, this was, this was I reckon, the biggest turning point in my career. And I'll never, ever... Um, I'll never, ever turn up the opportunities. People might see Aaron Bullock down on 20 trials of a morning or 18 trials a morning and think I'm mad for doing it. But this is a good story. This one went... Yeah. Matt Griffith rang me up one day, always been a good supporter of mine. He said to me, he said, Aaron, what are you doing, mate? I said, ah, oh. and as a lot of people do when I'm not riding, if I'm, I'm not in the groove, and for me, when I fall out of the groove, it's it's hard because it's got to be an everyday battle. But he said to me, look at this horse, and will you come and troll him? I said, ah, oh, I'm not going up there, Matt, to, to troll one horse. And he's like, just have a look at him and, and get back to me. Anyways... I didn't even look at the horse, to be honest. I just thought, ah, oh, he's been good to me over my career. I'll go and ride it. So I rang him up. I said, right, I'm Mac, I'll go and ride it. Anyways, long story short, it was a horse called Pera Pera. And, um, wow. Yeah. I won, about, I won seven races on him, and I got a photo of him, of him in my shed, and I, I, he, he sits right in front of the spa when I'm sweating of the morning. And it just, it's a, mem- it's a memory I always cherish because it, that always turned my career around, and... Um, I remember I nearly won I nearly won every start of road on him, and he's the most I've ever won on a horse seven. Um, but anyways, um, so I was like I said from 2017 or 2015, I was driving back and forward and no money, and, and once that horse sort of come along, um, really got me going and got the ball rolling, and um, obviously maturing too. Probably got to that 24, 25 year old age, and, um, and then got to 26 and. I thought, oh, I better move out of home now, and I saved up a fair bit of money in that probably year and a half once I once Pera Pera come along, and and then I bought my first house in Newcastle in 2017, and um, and then from sort of that that from 2017 on, Dave, for me, it's just really been really just been trying to master my career and and be as as good as I can at it because I remember early days Shane Cullen used to pull me in the room and he's like, mate, I've seen plenty. He said, I've, ne- I've never seen a heap of you guys around, but 
I've never seen a heap of people like you around, but I've seen a lot of people that blow their career with a lot, with a lot of ability. And um, he said, just do, do, do me a favour. And, and I've always looked up to Shane Cullen. He's probably one of the, the better stewards that I've seen come through in my time. And um, it always stuck in the back of my head to just not blow it, you know. So mm. from sort of 2017 onwards, I was I just was like, right, I just want to give myself the best opportunity I can to be the best I can. And but that's whether it's riding at bloody Tamworth or Randwick. It doesn't bother me. I just love riding winners. Yeah, yeah. So from then on, it's just been really about um, just giving myself best, the best opportunity to be the best I can. And, and, and I feel it's, it's working for me. So it's good. We're chatting this morning with Aaron Bullock on Monday's Experts. So, Aaron, you get to that, what, 2017-18 season. And that's yep. the start, I guess, of, of where we are today. When you first got sort of rolling in that sort of seventeen eighteen season, I mean, were you? What was your volume like? Because you have a look at your volume now. You're riding obviously plenty of winners, and you're riding plenty of horses, and and obviously I think that's all part of your routine. Because obviously, the more you're riding, the fitter you are. The, the, maybe it is the, a slightly easier for you to to control your weight the more you're at the races. But was that sort of the plan? Did you sort of sit down with your manager at the time and go, right? I want to be riding as much as I can and wherever I can. Oh, not really, because um, my manager at the time was John Walter. Um, and then um, just with a few businesses he had going at the time, he sort of couldn't manage anyone else. And he, he never really done it for a for an income, so he, he was pretty lenient on me there. And um, uh, so I, I, I feel at that time in my career, probably, as I stated before, buying a house, a few extra bills Dave can do Wonders yeah, for people like me. Hundred percent. I think I think a few extra bills at the time did a few wonders for me then. But um, look, apart from mastering the dieting and and all that that goes with being a jockey, um, there's a lot more than just what people see in TV. Um, they don't see the everyday grind for a heavyweight. But um, I feel as I've got into my career in the last few years and the volumes of all that, he's he's definitely. I said I stated the reason for John, for example, is because in my career I've only ever had two managers. To be honest, I managed myself for probably nearly ten years in my career, and and um, I even nearly rode a hundred winners doing it on my own accord. But definitely for me to, to where I'm at now and what I've got um, is definitely through a, having a manager called Drew Smith. And look, yeah. in 2017, I'm from memory he was still a steward, and when he sort of um, went down a different avenue and. Um, give away Stuart and, and, and become a manager. He, he's definitely been the biggest driver and success of, of my career in the last four or five years. Um, yeah, just very much through so. the way, just the, through the way he manages me. And, and look, I leave him to do his job. He leaves me to do my job. He takes the pressure off me of like not having to, to, to worry about all the riding sort of side of things. So it allows me to concentrate on my weight where before I was having to do both and um, he's, he's definitely been a big driver in helping me where I'm at now because it just takes that. I just worry about me weight and, and, and race riding, which is, the, to be honest with you, the race riding's easy. It's, it's, that's, and that's, that's the easiest part of my job, the, the staying in the, the groove of being disciplined and, and keeping the body peak fitness and, and, um, and looking after me weight. That's, that's, that's the hardest part. But um, for me, Dave, riding, I feel riding every day definitely helps. Um, 
not that I like to. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's just it's just hard losing weight every day because I sit around that 61, 62, and that's dieting and keeping fit. But then um, I, I got to I got to zone back into um, like if I haven't see if I haven't rode for a couple of days, I'm around 62. Then I'll jog, jog and sweat to get back under 60. Have a light dinner and then. I'm in the bath that morning, sweating two kilos back to 58 to ride 58. But then a little bit of more preparation if I want to ride lighter. Not that I like to. Um, when I was younger, I, I used to always think to to get opportunities. I had to ride 55 or six, but I was no good to anyone to be honest. I'd get suspended, and and then you're on the sidelines and your weight's yo-yoing, and it just it was, it was no good. So I feel that 58 is a comfortable weight for me. Um, and Did- do you think so? So I'll ask you about a couple of horses that you really like, mate. We could go through stacks, stacks and horses. I'm great you mentioned that horse, Pera Pera, you know, as a horse that for your for your career. But we're just tying in with you talking about weight. So you rode fifty seven and a half, well fifty eight, didn't you? Um, lockdown gamble. Yeah. Um, so so to get to that fifty eight for you know, and there'd be plenty of people listening to this uh, that you know would either be on a job site or they might be you know in the truck driving around from work and they're probably looking at the next dim sim at the BP or the Chico roll. What what are you eating during a week? And Do, do you have to really rein it in or can you li- be a bit normal, you and your wife? Uh, but I, I, for me, it's every day. It's every day. Like So, for example, most people could say, oh, I should be this weight, I should be that weight or this and that. I've got a twin brother who's 72 kilos and he wouldn't have an ounce of fat on him, so I know pretty well exactly what weight I could be and Growing up, I was always a little bit bigger than him, so maybe I could be a little bit bigger. But um, definitely got a little bit easier of the older days. But um, yep. look, I, I've got to keep on to it every day, mate. If I'm like, don't get me wrong, I can have free days, and I do. I do have me, me and my wife go for nice meals, and we, we do all that. But um, it's just, it's just you can't eat too much because once you stretch that stomach, well, then it's game over. Like I know myself, if if I've had a little bit too much to eat or drink, and the and and that stomach stretched a little bit. I'll, I'll, um, I've got to throw the sweat gear on and go for a good hard, a good hard jog, and that soon, um, that soon strips you back into gear. But um, for me, look, my normal, my normal days just get up and have one coffee, um, and then if I'm not riding, I'll just have a handful of fruit. I don't like to eat through the day. I'd like to just go all day without eating. And and um, if I have to do a training session, I'll throw the sweat gear on and go for a good five or six k and. Like I don't muck around, I don't miss myself, and and then I've I've got the sauna and spa here at home in the shed, and they're always um I, I heat them up ready to the sauna takes the jog takes about an hour and the sauna takes an hour to heat up so um and the spa is always running at about forty degrees which is about as hot as I can get it and um once I finish that jog I'll dive into the sauna for sort of twenty minutes and then I'll get out of that and do sort of two fifteen twenty minute hits in the spa and then that's that's me off day that's that's um, the days I'm, I'm off if, if um, I've got to sort of get in check ready for race day. And then that sort of puts me around the 50 on our 60 mark. And then come race day, Dave, I'll, um, I'll, I, only, I only have a hot bath because that sort of, that's on the instant hot water. So that's, that comes out at about 47, 50 degrees. Maybe in summer I'll put a little bit of cold water in it, but um, definitely not in winter. But, um, yeah, that's... That's sort of every day, but I, I keep on to it. It's not. Yeah. If if I if I let it slip, mate, it's gone. I could be sixty five, mate. In, when I I think when I when I rode up the Melbourne Cup day, I got married two days later, and I went on the honeymoon. I was sixty five in like three or four days. So 
Yeah. It doesn't take much. Doesn't take much to get away from me. Put it that way. It's Honeymoon something. worth it, though, mate. Honeymoon worth it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a big year. I had a big year. I made the wife book us to book us somewhere warm. So I'm not a traveller, Dave. I've always been a worker, and yeah, um, I've been everywhere. But she booked us into Thailand, and I remember going for a jog one day, and I, I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to cook myself. She's she different humidity over there, but I, I didn't get too heavy to be honest. I was. I think 65 is heavy as I got, so... That's good. We're chatting with Aaron Bullock this morning on Monday's Experts. So let's talk about... Well, just before we move on, do you think you'd like to see the weights raised at all? Do you think we need to be fair income looking at that in the future? Because humans aren't getting smaller. Yeah, uh, look, to be honest with you, my, my, my straight-up answer, no, I, I, feel, I feel where they're at now is good. Um, but look, um, it's definitely the weight system's definitely kept a bloke like me in the industry. Um, I feel if it was probably still how it used to be, maybe I wouldn't be going as good as I am. And it's definitely helped me. Like riding that half and one kilo over helps me get six or seven, eight rides. And a bloke that does it as tough as me, um, and going to the races for one or two would. It probably wouldn't be worth it to be honest. So um, yeah. it's definitely helped me in in the game. And look, they, they get better as time's gone on. And like the minimum when I started was fifty three, fifty four, and made it. Sometimes you couldn't you couldn't get a ride. But um, yeah, I, I feel where the weight system's now is good. Look, as a generation, we're getting bigger. You probably see that with um, now majority of riders are girls. Like back when I started, I think I went to apprentice school. There was eighteen, eighteen boys and one girl and. Um, I think Scotty Thurlow said the other day there was two apprentice days where majority of them were girls. So maybe the, the system's pushing the boys out um, because we're, we're getting a little bit bigger as, 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 a, as a society. But I feel the weight system at the minute's good because at the end of the day, Dave, if, it wouldn't matter if they put it to 60, I'd still do it tough. You know what I mean? So Exactly, yeah. I, I, like, I, I've got to prepare the same whether it's 58, 59 or 60, to be fair, because... I'm only getting to that 60 mark, and I've got to sweat the, the rest out in fluids. So I feel where the, the weight system that's good. So, yeah. Right well, mate, let's talk about um, just these seasons, and then we'll get to, to the present. I mean, back yep. that, that, that season, uh, what was it, the 22-23 uh, season, mate, uh, where you're up there, you're beating blokes like J-Mac, which you mentioned in the press at the time. Uh, you're fighting it out with Ormond, you're, you're you know, in front of Pikey. Now, reflecting on the journey you've been on, mate, because you, you, you wear your heart in your sleeve, but behind closed doors, mate, you must have been, you must have been a little bit emotional inside, thinking, bloody hell, probably can't say on air what, we, what you were thinking, but you're thinking, this is unbelievable. I can't believe, from where I've come from, the story you've just told me about the fact that you were, you know, uh, couldn't ride the horse, then you give it away, back at the roads, now back... And there you are in that position, mate. That's a credit to yourself. Yeah, well, like, like I say to some young kids coming through now, they, they expect it all to happen so fast. And to be honest with you, the, the kids that it happens really fast for, I feel sometimes it can be the worst thing that can happen to them because when they hit the tough times, they don't know how to handle it. They think it's just an upward spiral. Like, I know for me to get to where I have now, mate, I've been knocked down hundreds of times. And, and, and mate... And half of them have been self-inflicted. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've had a few setbacks that I've 
I've done on my own accord, but you live and learn, and um, and and that's how it is. But look, I've um, I, I, as I've got through my career, it's as I stated before, I just wanted to give myself the best opportunity I can to be the best I can because I know if I ever give it up one day and and I haven't I haven't done that, I'd regret it, you know. And um, look, my motto is just to to never give up, just just keep at it. Um, there's always setbacks. It's not it's never a smooth ride. Um, yeah, you can get let down and disappointed, but everyone does in life, you know. Everyone, that, that's just that's just life in general. But um, sometimes the highs and lows are racing. Some people can't handle them, but some people can. And um, for me, there's been, a, like I said, Dave, a lot of setbacks, but I've just been one to never give up. And every time, every time you come back and give that little bit extra, you do it a little bit wise, a little bit smarter. You do things different, and then you get a little bit further, and it's very rewarding. And and um. For me, to be honest, some days I can go to the races and man, I can have ten rides, or eight rides, and ride three seconds and and then like five thirds, and not even ride a winner. Where a lot of people be disappointed to not ride a winner, but for me, I just love giving the horse every opportunity because they all can't win. So for me, that's that's my biggest kick, just giving that horse every opportunity to win. Because um, like I said, they can't all win and. As a kid, mate, I used to go to the races and think I could win on everything. But mm. you just, it's, it's not the case. I'm, I remember Blake Shin, he was the one who actually said it to me, to be fair. He sat me down one day in Sydney and he's man a few words, Blake, but, um, and, um, he said, look, Aaron, you can't win on everything, but you can, you can give that horse every opportunity to win. And, and that, that's just how I look at it. And it definitely, definitely makes me, um, it helps. I ride better that way, you know, because you know that, you're not disappointed because you didn't win, but you know you've given every opportunity. So every time I go out there, if the only time I get disappointed is if I've if I haven't given that horse every opportunity. But I just hold myself in high regard to try to do it on a regular basis and consistent. Because if you're consistent, it's it's honestly the key. You, you be consistent, then um, everything else works. Like not getting suspended. Um, and then you get on them horses consistently week in, week out. And like I know myself, if you have a bit of a break, you've got to get them rides back. And, and then you go on that little bit of a, a, a low. Like I feel, I feel now I'm just hitting me straps again after sort of having a big season. And then I did two snow trips in August. I went to Airlie Beach for my birthday with my brother for in September. Got married in November. Then a honeymoon, then Christmas. So I was sort of in and out, in and out, in and out. And, um, you can just, if you have a look at me form, it's like a horse. So just on a little bit of a slump, a little bit of a slump, still riding winners. But now I'm just, every day is just about racing and you get back on that sort of a crest. And once you stay on it, you can, you can, you can really, you know, I can really knuckle down and ride a lot of winners. So that's, that's sort of where I'm at now. And I just intend to just do that right through to the end of the season again. So I've had me a bit of a break and yeah, but yeah. Look, it was a big season, Dave. I still couldn't believe I, I achieved it, to be honest. I, the I, national, um, the state, and the country premiership. That's huge, mate. Yeah, b- both country. I, I feel more privileged when the country, Australia, and country New South Wales, because I, I just <laughs> love the country. I, I'm a country boy. I don't, riding in towns, man, I love going down there, but it's not my forte. Like, most people are like, oh, yeah, but the money, like, but I couldn't care about the money. I, what? I, I sent photos to my wife coming out for the races when I got country cups on the passenger seat. I love it. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's what drives me. Just winning country cups, it's the passion of mine. And, 
and um, yeah, it's good. That's great. Aaron Bullock this morning on Monday's Experts. Aaron, before we sort of wrap it up, mate, because I know you'll be busy this morning, uh, I'm going to ask you about a couple of horses that you rode recently. I really like this yep. horse of, um, of Mazara's Know Thyself, which you rode at Scone during last week. What type of field yeah, does he give you that horse? He, he looks like he's got a, got a motor in his in his engine. He's good, mate. He, he's he's the real deal. So um, I don't know if you probably heard or seen me when I got off him at Scone, and I've been riding long enough now to sort of back myself when I when I make a lot of people don't like to make big calls on horses early because they, they mightn't go how they think. But I like to, I've been riding long enough so I can back myself to make calls, and and he, he's got a big engine, mate. He's got. He's got gears on top of gears, and look, only the good horses have got them. Um, and I, I got a feel of him when I first ever trialed him. Um, he could have won the trial by about ten at Musselbrook, and he looked at the winning post and had a good of a, had a good of a look around, and and he still won it by a couple of lengths. But I said to Paul, mate, this horse is he, he's he's going to be good. And anyways, I um I got him first up at Newcastle, and yeah, I'm the fence. I remember when I jumped after 20 metres, I was like, geez, Aaron, you've got a bit of a pickle here. We're in a six-horse field inside a couple of pretty um, pretty competitive riders. And I, I knew one straight when I tried to edge out and Michaela was having a bar of it. All I could think about was Nashville Wheeler and Kevin Tari. And I, I was thinking about taking on the rail and I'm like, don't be doing that. Like, don't be there. Just, I'll, be, I'll be on the sidelines for months. Anyway, his fate would have it, mate. The gap opened up, and he just went whooshka, and, and he's good. And then, look, he, he had to step it up his next start. We went we went to Scone, and the horse that matched motors with him only for 50 metres because Reese Jones cut the corner. And but that horse won by about... He won by a good margin the start before, and I, I watched the interview of Rod Northam after that win of that horse, and... But he give he give a bit of a kick and a rap for it. So he, he he's a good horseman, Rod. He must have had a fair opinion of that horse. So once that know thyself, once it matched motors of know thyself for probably fifty meters in the straight, mate. I just love the way my bloke got his ears back and he found he found another gear. So yeah. I'm looking forward to see where he where he gets to this horse. He, well, he's, he's he's good. Well, before I get to the next horse, so just on that, I mean, because we hear from. A lot of the top jocks, how they will be regularly watching replays, interviews. You just, you, you got to, you got to be watching what's going on. Will you constantly watch the races and replays all day, every day? Maybe when you're having a sweat or a, or in the spa, etc. And then talk with Drew, your manager, and say, "Hey, mate, can we? Is there a chance we can get on that, or can you find it where that's going?" And if it's, is that how it works? Never, 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 never. I ne- you know what? I just had this conversation with Dylan Gibbons at the races because he was talking about Tavi time. And um, and and about the ride and this and that, like going forward for the championships. And I said to the I said, you know what, mate? I said, I, I I never try to worry about anything that I can't control. Where when I was younger, I used to, and you get disappointed. So for me, I, I, I never ask or pester for rides. I'm one of the ones that just let me manage to do his thing. Mate, if if people want me on, they want me on. If they don't want me on, they don't want me on. Um, I never, never ask for rides, never pester for rides. I've always been like that, um, and I, I feel like Chris didn't have to put me on that horse, for example, Tavi Time. Like he could put anyone on. Like it's not. Well, that like was the next I horse I was going to ask you about. Yeah, well, we'll get to him, but we. Yeah. I feel privileged to ride it. But look, a lot of jockeys do; they do that. But I, I've never been that person. I never, never go back and watch replays. Never. I, I, I never. 
I never watch where they go. You know what I mean? I, I keep an eye on them. Don't get me wrong. And I and 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 talk to Drew about some horses and and this and that. But I'm I'm never one to pester people for for rides or or chase it like that. If, if, to be fair, if they want me, they want me. If if they don't, they don't. Because um, I, I feel I feel that works for me. You know. But um, yeah. Yeah. And 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 look. <laughs> And you know what? We'll go back to Perra Perra, for example, right? The first yep. time I ever got taken off him, I had six wins on him or seven wins. And first time I got replaced on him, it really hit me. It really hit me, you know. And it was in the championships qualifinal for uh, for Huey Bowman. He picked up the ride and he ran second to Clearly Innocent. And that, that really, that really, it really hit me, you know. But, you know, the only one it affected, Dave, it didn't affect the people taking me off the horse. Didn't affect the horse, didn't affect the trainer, didn't affect the owner. The only person that affected by getting down that I got taken off that horse was myself. I, I was the only one of, I, I was only affecting myself because the way I felt. So that taught me a lot. That I thought, you know what, I'm never ever going to get disappointed about losing a ride on a horse again. And um, because it's a funny game, mate, it works itself out. Like you might get, you might get taken off it, but that happens to everyone else as well. It happens to trainers, they lose horses. Have those jockeys that lose horses, um, and you're only affecting yourself by getting disappointed. And as funny as it is, like about two, years, three years later, it happened again to me on Jonko, Hugh Bowman again. So, <laughs> and 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 I was seasoned for it, I was ready for it because it happened to me on Perra Perra. And now, but it happens all the time. People just don't see it. Chris Lee's like, I ride a lot of winners for Chris, and and then. They go to Sydney and other rides get on, but it doesn't bother me, mate. I I just feel privileged for the horses that I get given a ride, and I look at it that way. And it and it's, but it keeps you in a good mind frame because if you if you get disappointed on what you you're not riding, or if you worry about what you're not on, mate, you're only beating yourself up. Silly. Yeah. So. Well, what yeah. about Tavi time on the weekend? Because it made it was a barrier troll. Well. Like I said to the owners, and, and you'll agree here, and anyone in racing that knows racing well, these 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 things that they're putting on, like the championships have been around for a long time now, the big dance, not so much as long. Um, look, I ply my trade in the bush and the provincials, and I'll tell you now, if it wasn't for the big dance, A, I wouldn't have been on him. In, I wouldn't have had a good horse. I wouldn't have rode a horse that good in the Mudgy Cup. I've been riding 13 years, and... I've never won a country country cup that easy, but he wouldn't have been there, mate. A bit like Akasawa when I won on him 64 kilos in the big dance, in the Gunnedah Cup. He wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for a $3 million race at the end of the year. And I reckon it's great. These horses that are going to these country cups, not that they win by 10 lengs, but you know what I mean? They're, these horses are at country meetings where they normally normally wouldn't be racing, they, but, but they're there for a reason to qualify for where they should be. Um, but look, back to your question, or not really question, mate. When you're on them good horses, mm. they can still get beat. Don't get me wrong. Like know thyself first up at Newcastle is a dollar thirty, is ten lengths better than him. But I could have, I couldn't have, I mightn't have got out that day. I was certainly beaten. But my job is on these horses is to keep them out of trouble, plain and simple. Because you, you might have seen the, the interview they did on me on racing safaris the other day. They don't really have bad days. Good horses will generally. The only thing that gets them beat is bad luck, and um, and and I feel that good horses, mate. There's, you can have them underdone, overdone, whatever. They're having a bad day, temperature, whatever. I don't eat up. They can, they still run good, 
but good horses that they they don't have bad days. So so that horse on the weekend, Taddy Time, and in the Mudgee Cup, mate, he, he's just he's just as plain and simple good horse. But he he wouldn't been at Mudgee for that cup if it wasn't for the big dance, and he, and he wouldn't have been probably at Newcastle if it wasn't for the championship qualifier. So, but I just feel privileged to to get the opportunity to ride him. Yeah, I've got myself in a position in my career now where I get them opportunities. Like it was never the case many years ago, Dave. I've I always dreamt of getting them rides. I used to look up at when I when I was younger. I used to just look up at Jeff Penzer and Grant Buckley and be like, I just want to be a hard worker like them. And and I feel I've got that I've got that far, you know. So that's that's all. It's 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 definitely a privilege to ride them good horses, and I, I don't take it for granted. Don't don't you worry about that. What's he feel like that horse? Because he just visually, he just looks beautiful to watch. Davy time when he's travelling yeah, he, like that, he just does it so easy. So he he never pulls up blown. He carries minimal condition. Um, he's a tall, lean sort of a horse. Um, look, he, if he had the wrong people on him of a morning, I'm guessing he, he's not the easiest to ride track work and, and gallops because I've, I've definitely felt that firsthand and. If he had the wrong person on that horse, he could definitely, that he could, he could blow himself up, or he could, um, he could lose weight very rapidly. So I'm sure Chris is managing that right. Um, he's got good track riders there to do that. Yeah. Um, but he 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 just does everything so easy, and that that's why he's a good horse. He can, he, he floats out under, you, cruising along at a good tempo. But then what I love the most is when you, when you ask him to build the revs. Like when I ask him to circle him in the Mudgee Cup, mate, it was game over in three strides. And he can sustain a 600-metre gallop and run 33 with ease. And, yeah. and 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 he can sustain that. Most horses will go like, you put the foot down at the, say, 600, and you're like, you know that they're going to be probably running 12 as the last furlong, which can get you beat, where this fella, he can sort of build the revs and do 11.5, 11.11, and, mate, how do you beat him? Like, he's he's... He's the real deal. I've ridden plenty of horses at Chris's. I'm not going to put Group One in the in 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 the equation because they don't give them away. But I tell you, I've ridden plenty of horses at Chris that have won Group Twos and Threes, and they're not as good as this bloke. So he's um he's he's got plenty more in store. Two more before I let you go. One, you mentioned it right at the start of the interview, and I love hearing these sort of yarns because. It's something we don't know about you, mate. I didn't realise that cattle was a big passion of yours. So, have you got a, a large amount of cattle and and you, you're breeding? What are you doing in that space? Uh, to be honest with you, if I, if I, I could I could buy a farm now. To be honest, I could get one, but there would be the distraction would be elsewhere. You know what I mean? So, is that is that your um, dream one day to have a cattle property? Hundred percent, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so for for me now is just. To do the right thing, buy me money, invest, and and like I, I put it in houses in Newcastle, so I don't I don't have the distraction, um, so I can just concentrate on racing. Because like I said before, for me, everything's racing, so I've got to do the smart thing by doing it right. Because I'm not going to give them one, I know that. So I've got to do it right to be able to get okay. one myself. But what's it, it about it cattle? Good. What's it about cattle you love? Well, I got brought up with it. So yeah. when I was when I was young, my grandparents had a farm in Chermont, which they which then got handed to my uncle Tom, and he still runs it now. But that's my get-out. Like, not many people would know, but every day I've got free, um, which is not many. Um, I can't get back to Tumut to the farm because it's too far away. But I ring up a good friend of mine, Maxie Howlett, which is Todd's relation, and he's got a 1,000-acre property at Singleton, and 
I was only back there three days ago and um, he gave me a key to the property and mate, I get back there and some days it's just about getting on the quad and driving around the cattle and, the, and, and just being out in the countryside. And um, look, to, even two weeks ago, I I, um, I went to Bruce McKenzie's, the Oak, you know, the Oakfoot horses. Yep, yep. So Bruce McKenzie, he, he's got Macca's Angus, which is probably, and it's, it's, um, it's probably the biggest, one of the biggest Angus cattle enterprises in Australia. And he, he's got a, a eight, oh, got about, he's got eight or seven properties at Gloucester, totaling probably, I think, twelve to 18,000 acres. And I went up there with him about two weeks ago and we drove around the whole, the whole seven properties. His farm manager met us up there and well, I loved it. It was, yeah, it's just a, it's, that's just a passion of mine. And, yeah, I've, all, I've always had a passion for the land and cattle. It's just, it's, it's been, I reckon it got sort of distilled into me from a young fella going to the farm when when mum and that would take us out there as kids and they never had to keep an eye on us, I suppose. We could just run wild, but, um, yeah, that's that's sort of where it all started. So, and, and like I said, every, every three days I've got, it's, that's where you'll find me. If I'm not at home, I'm, I'm over at Maxie's farm or ringing up, ringing up Bruce and pestering him and going to his places, but... Yeah, it's it's just it's a passion of mine. So beautiful. Well, mate, last question. Last question. I I ask everyone this. Doesn't matter who's on. If you yep. were standing in front of an eighteen-year-old Aaron Bullock, what advice would you give him? Never give up. Keep at it. Just don't. Yeah. Look, I don't, I don't change anything. Like, people make mistakes in life, and 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 I've made plenty. Don't get me wrong. I've I always say I don't make them twice, but I've I've definitely made a few twice. But um. Not the big ones, put it that way. But um, I, I feel every lesson, for, every mistake I've made in life has been a life lesson. And I, I wouldn't be where I'm at now, to be honest with you, Adam. But, um, yeah, I'd say never give up. Because I tell you, nowadays, there's, there's been a lot of days where I've been on my own at home. And what am I doing? And am I doing the right thing? Should I keep doing this? And I've doubted myself on many occasions. And, mate, there's been blood, sweat and tears, don't get me wrong, but... Yeah, it'll be it'll be what's the little thing in the back of the head that's always said never give up, mate. If I did, which I could have, I would never be where I'm at today. But yeah, the main thing was, well, I'd look at myself again back then, and even though I haven't give up, but I'd I'd just drum that into me into myself back then because when you're younger, mate, you you take it all on 100 miles an hour, and it's it's, it's not, yeah. Like I said, Paul Ross said to me years ago, it's not going to be easy as you think, and. I've never forgot it, mate. I've never, ever forgot it. And look, I think the hard times, the hard times definitely make the good times worth it. So, yeah, that, that's what I'd say. I'd just say never give up. Even any kid starting these days, um, if it's a dream and it's a passion, just never give up. Keep at it. Mate, I've done a lot of these chats on a Monday. This is bloody right up there with one of the best of them. I really appreciate your honesty, how you've spoken this morning, mate. I know that this goes all over the... The countryside of New South Wales, the ACT, there'd be a lot of people listening to this regionally that'll just want to back you even more, mate. So uh, thanks for coming on, Aaron. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the time.